third quarter, and we will be asking uh, a lot from the church and uh, as we try to go to another tier, another level of ministry. And I told you on last week that on Sunday nights we are doing these things called Sunday night revivals. And last uh, Sunday night our evening service had increased. And then uh, tonight we'll be looking forward not only for the same group but for another group uh, to come. Now I'm just crazy enough just to believe that the Lord is able to touch our hearts. that he can change our minds. Even when you say in your heart, I ain't coming. I just believe the Lord can touch you. I wish I had a church up in here. I've been talking to the Lord to touch our hearts. <laughs> and I believe the Lord will touch our hearts. That's just how big my faith is. And I just believe that Sunday night is going to have more of an increase by the end of this month. I just, I just believe that, Sister Hart. I'm just crazy enough to believe that because I believe that God is an awesome God. Amen. And it's going to take, take some work for what we're trying to do. Uh, we were in leadership uh, for the beginning of the year to uh, the first half. Now we're trying, to, we're trying to go to another place. We're trying to go to another place. You don't want to stay where you are. You never want to plateau as a church. You always want to have goals and aims. So we're not satisfied with where we are. We got two new parking lots coming out there. We're going to have to fill everything. Just because we're getting some things off the street, we want to fill everything. Well, we're going to have to buy something else and put another parking lot on it or build something else on it. And so, but we're gonna have to have faith to do that. And I just believe that we can, we can make it happen. Amen? Amen. John 9, if you're there, say amen. Verse one, the Bible says, and Jesus was walking along and he saw a man who had been blind from birth Teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, he was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the task. Assign us by the one who sent me, because there's little time left before the night falls, and all works, and all work rather comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with saliva, and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this the same man, that beggar? Some said he was and others said no, but he surely looks like 
him. And the beggar kept saying, I am the same man. Shall we bow and shall we pray? Our God and our Father, we ask now that you would touch all of our hearts, open our hearts, to be ready to receive a word from the Lord. Father, we pray that you forgive us collectively and individually for our sins. We pray, Father God, that our worship would not be hindered and that this worship would be beneficial to our lives, that we can live in such a way where our God can be glorified, church edified, and the lost sanctified. We pray for those who may be struggling, may have been difficult to come out on today. We pray that you would touch them, encourage them, build them, and strengthen them. And Father, open up our minds that we might have the right kind of understanding. Thank you so much for all of your blessings. Be with us now as we continue our worship in spirit and in truth. This is our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say amen. In addition, we are having a, a meeting after service, and that, that's going to be a large meeting. It's going to involve every teacher, every greeter, every ministry leader, every person who is over any kind of group or activity. You're going to be in that meeting. It is important that you don't miss that meeting. You need to be in that meeting. It's pivotal for our congregation. I want us to look at John 9, but look at John 8. Back up to John chapter 8. Look at the last verse there. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And look at the last verse there in John 8. Uh, back up and give me verse 7 right quickly. John chapter 8 and verse number 7. Watch what the Bible says here. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Now, give me, give me, give me verse number 57. Verse number 57 of John chapter 8. You got it? Here it is. Back up to 56. I want to make a point here. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Jesus talking to the Jews. And he saw it and was glad. Verse 57. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Next verse. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, give me, give me, if, if there's another verse there in that King James. Then took they up stones to cast at him. Do you see this? But Jesus hid himself. And the Bible says, and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. I want to talk to us this morning on the subject that is titled, Understanding Jesus, Reaching the Next Level of Ministry. Understanding Jesus, Reaching the Next 
level of ministry. Y'all doing all right this morning? And, and I want to be in John 9 today, the whole day, and just want to simply walk us through John chapter 9, verses 1 uh, through 9, and we'll pick up where we, where we left off. And uh, understanding Jesus and going to a next level of ministry. When you see Jesus in John chapter 8, and it is in John 8 where Jesus begins to talk about himself and the Jews brought up Abraham. And Jesus struck a nerve when he said that before Abraham was, I am. And when they heard Jesus say this, the Bible says at that point, they picked up stones to kill him. But Jesus hid himself from them and left the temple. I want to talk on the first point, having a quiet spirit. Having a quiet spirit. Jesus hid himself. Now, we don't know if Jesus hid himself physically or did he hide himself miraculously? The Bible does not tell us. Maybe Jesus, while he was young, maybe he played with his friends and they played hide and go seek. I don't know. Maybe Jesus hid himself miraculously and then moved on out of the temple. The Bible does not tell us. But all we do know is that Jesus did what? Is that he hid himself. There are some times in your life where you need to isolate yourself from things and from people. Jesus here was under attack. When you are under attack by the evils that are in this world, if you cannot afford to neglect your attack. You have to sometime go into isolation. Jesus went into isolation. Why? Because he wanted to protect himself. And sometimes when things are attacking us, sometimes it is best for us to lay low for a while. Now, you don't remain in isolation. You have to come out in communication. Jesus understood that he needed to be in isolation because the Jews wanted to stone him to death. But I like Jesus because Jesus is not a coward. He's no coward. And just because you hide doesn't make you a coward. It makes you wise. Jesus understood that it was not yet time for him to die. Therefore, he said to himself, I must isolate myself. I must protect myself. I must go into isolation, I must go into hiding. You know, sometimes in life, sometimes in life, there are disturbances around us, but the Lord can still deliver us. Sometimes in life, there's a whirlwind around us, but God's hands 
is still over the world in which we live. Sometimes things are beyond out of our control. There are things that we cannot control, but we must always understand that our spirit always need to be under the control and the influence of God. When things are out of our control, we need to understand that we need to hold things together on the inside. Jesus had a threat on his head, but he teaches us you can still have a quiet spirit when folk are attacking you. And Jesus wants us to understand you're going to live in this world. And in this world, there are things that are going to attack you. Sometimes it's in the house. Sometimes it's in the city. Sometimes it's on the job. But he wants us to understand that regardless of the things that is happening wrong or the disturbances or the turbulence that's all around us, we need to be calm, cool, and collective, and we need to stand still at the Red Seas of our lives. So we have to have a quiet spirit. The next time you are under attack, you need to have a quiet, still spirit. Just be still. And like Moses says, and see the salvation. But in order for you to see the salvation, you got to first be still. You can't be moving all around. And not only the external movement, but you can't be anxious and nervous and worrying on the inside. Because you'll never be able to see God. He says, stand still and what? See the salvation of the Lord. So you have to have a what? Have a quiet, have a quiet spirit. Now watch this here in verse number 1, John 9. The Bible says, give it to me. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Do y'all see it? I need you to be online this morning. Do you see it? He came to a part of his ministry where they come to a man who is now born blind. Remember, he, he was threatened in chapter 8, and he went into what? He went into hiding. But Jesus understood you can't stay in isolation. You can't isolate yourself from everybody else. That may be fine for a few days. But you can't stay there forever. And Jesus comes, uh, and the Bible says, uh, and they passed by, and he saw a man blind from his birth. Watch this in verse number 2. The Bible says, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, teacher, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Point number two, I want to talk to you about a chit-chat. Jesus' disciples comes here now, and they come to this man. The Bible don't tell us how the disciples knew that he was blind, but all they know, all we know is that the man was blind. And I believe that the answer is not in the statement of Jesus. I believe the answer was in the statement of the blind man. But that's another subject for another day. He comes here and he says to him, who was? Or the disciples say, who sinned? Him or his parents? And then Jesus says in verse 3, watch this. The Bible says, neither had this man sinned 
nor his parents. Now, the Jews, anytime somebody was sick, had leprosy, or whatever the case was, they always equated it, you must have sinned. I know that's true because when you look at the book of Job, Job's friends come to him. And Job's friend says, man, you must have done something wrong. Look at you. You're sick. Look at you. Your life is in a spiral going down. And the Jews were no different in the days of Jesus. And so they said, the disciples said, that did he sin or did his parents sin? And there's a law, a law that taught that a child could even sin inside of their parents' womb. And they said, they believed the Jews, that the sin of the parent could sometime pass on to the child in the womb. And that's why they were asking Jesus about did he sin or did somebody else sin? Well, I want you all to know that what the disciples was doing, they got into what I call an ecclesiastical, theological, spiritual chit-chat. And Jesus wanted them to know that I'm not interested in an ecclesiastical, theological, spiritual chit-chat. I'm interested in healing people and making their lives whole. You missed your shot. The disciples were not, they were not compassionate on the man. They got into conversing in a conversation about the man. Instead of them asking Jesus, do you mind healing the blind man? They were in a theological conversation. What happened, Lord? Did he sin or did his parents sin? Jesus didn't come to chit-chat. He came to seek and to save the lost. Why is it that we sometimes are more interested in conversing in conversations about the lives of people in their situations and circumstances? Why is it that we are more enjoyable, enjoying rather talking about the downfall and the downtrodden of people rather than try to get involved in helping a brother out. Sometimes we enjoy talking about circumstances of somebody else. We enjoy talking about the situation of somebody else. We enjoy talking about how somebody lost their job. We enjoy talking about how somebody got a divorce. We enjoy the sins and the circumstances of life and the situations of life that happen to people instead of we come up with a solution to try to help people. We talk about, oh, I wish I had a church this morning. And Jesus says, I'm not here to get in your chit-chat. He said, I'm chit-chatting about the blind man. Ain't going to do nothing for the blind man. About somebody across the church who's got issues in their life ain't going to help them. Talking about people on the telephone ain't going to help them. Talking about somebody else's marriage and somebody else's wayward child ain't going to help them. Our job as Christians is to have compassion on people. But the disciples were more into 
a theological conversation instead of having passion on a man who was born blind. And watch this here. They knew he was born blind. So that means he never got a chance to see his friends. That means he never got a chance to look upon his father and face. That means he never got a chance to see his own body. That means he never got a chance to see the other beggars beside him. He never got a chance to see his own enemies in life. And they were concerned more in a conversation about the man than rather trying to heal and help the man. Watch this in verse number four. Watch this here. The Bible says, back up verse three. We miss a, we miss a part in there. Jesus answered, neither had this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made what? Should be made manifest. I think that brings me to my third point. Watch this here. Managing life well. Managing life well. The Bible says, give me verse 4. The Bible says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is what? Day. Or while it is light. He says, the night cometh when no man can what? Back up verse 3. Second part. But that the works of God should be made what? The man was born blind. Not that he will remain blind, but that the what? Works of God should be what? Manifest where? In him. It was God who caused the man to be born blind. Job got sick. Because of the glory of God, Lazarus died because of the glory of God. Matter of fact, Jesus was just about five miles out. He got word Lazarus was sick. And Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to back back for a while. We're not, we, we not going into the city. We're just going we gonna to chill out for a while and Jesus wanted them to know that he was only sleeping but they didn't understand what Jesus was saying Jesus on purpose allowed Lazarus to die because of the works of God that was going to be glorified in raising him from the dead it's about managing your life well Sometimes you got a job. It's about managing. You got a job. It's about managing. It's about how you deal. It's about how you, you can you still perform. There are people right now on their job. Don't like their job. You want another job. You can't stand your boss. You want another boss. You wish that you can move to another department. And some kind of way, you walk off the job. You walk off the job. That's a mistake. 
It's about managing what the Lord has given you. It's about managing. Y'all don't hear me. It's about managing. You walk off the job. Somebody else is hired in your place. By the time you get back to the job, to check out, to see if the company is going down. When you get back to the department that you used to work in, the person who replaced you began to manage what you failed to manage. They done turned the department upside down. They got new windows. They got new desks. They got new discs. They got new debt. Everything that you wanted, they got on the department. Why? Because they learned how to manage. Boy, I wish I had somebody here right now. Children. You got children. They don't, they don't behave at the house. You got children. They don't sit down in the church. You got children. They don't behave in the school. And then you mess around and lose your children because you didn't manage them well. Somebody else gets your children. They begin to teach your children. They begin to train your children. They begin to be firm with your children. Next time you see your children, they are behaving in the house. They're sitting down quiet in the church house. They are obedient in the schoolhouse because somebody took the time to manage what you failed to manage. Oh, I wish I had a church. Oh, it's about managing. It's about managing what you got. Stop complaining and start managing what God gave you. Stop complaining and start managing it well. Deal with it. You had a wife. You had a husband. But you lost him or her. Your wife got another spouse. All she did when she was with you, she began to weep and cry because of the relationship, because you didn't manage the relationship well. She got another spouse. She began to manage the relationship well. She's cooking now. She smiles when she cooks. She taps her feet when she cooks. She sings when she cooks. She brings his food after she cooks. She manages, he managed his relationship well. But sometime God will give you and bring a sickness in your life. You ask the question, why? God will give stuff to you. And he'll watch you how you manage it. Don't you know God knew Job was going to come out of his storm? Job managed his stuff. The Bible says he didn't curse God with his lips kept his integrity. What God is doing, I'm sitting and I'm watching you and I want to watch how you manage what I give you. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha, my little sisters, when Jesus came, one of them told Jesus, I'm 
glad to see you, but you're late. Well, I wish I had a church up in here. Good, I'm glad you came, but but you're late. You know how folk, you know, got feeling some type of way, and they keep moving and keep doing stuff. It's good you came, and glad to see you, And but I want you to know you, you're too late. He already dead. It's good to see you anyhow. You know, well, what you going to do now? You, you want to pray with us? Huh? Jesus did that on purpose. And the Lord will watch how you manage folk die in your life, how you deal with the death of somebody close to you. He watched him. And then Jesus said, tell me where you put him. He says, y'all move the stone away. Isn't that what he said? He says, listen, what I'm going to do, you can't do. He said, but moving stones, that's your job. You move the stone away. And watch what happened. Jesus, y'all, understanding Jesus and going to the next level of ministry, Lazarus was dead in another world. How in the world will he hear Jesus? And I like what happened because the Bible says Jesus went to that tomb and he said what? Lazarus, come forth. I wish I had a church up in here. He said, Lazarus, come forth. The voice of Jesus went in the tomb of Lazarus. It is said that it's a downward spiral tomb, and it goes all the way down in the ground. His voice not only went in the ground, but it went to the grave. The Bible says Lazarus got up from the grave. He was bound up. And he had his grave clothing on. But he was still bound, y'all. I said he had his grave clothing on. But he's still bound. He had his grave clothing on. But he's still bound. We got some folk who look like you and me who will commit a crime and they'll serve their time. And by the time they get out, they still bound. Publish I had a church. Society and the system still got them bound. And I like what Jesus does. He says, he ain't no good like that. He said, loose him and let him go. The folk who look like us, when they serve their time to society, when they get out, somebody ought to say, loose him and let him go. Give him his driver's license back. Ooh, just, give him his driver's license back. Let him be able to get a job. Let him be able to go to somebody's school. Loose him and let him go because he served glad Jesus, I'm glad Jesus said Lazarus, because if he wouldn't have called no name and he would have just said, come forth, everything in the grave was coming. Adam was going to get up. Noah was coming up. 
Moses was coming, Abraham was coming, Elijah was coming, Jeremiah was coming, John the Baptist was coming, the Apostle John was coming, the Apostle Matthew was coming, the Apostle Paul was coming. Everybody who was dead was coming out of the grave. But Jesus had to qualify that statement. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And when Jesus calls the sheep, they ought to be able to hear his voice. What happens here? You gotta manage. You gotta manage well. Stop complaining what you got. Go to your job. Figure out what you can do to make that job a better place. And watch the folk on the job. You're gonna have some haters now. They're gonna hate you now. But the folk who making money, who's in the money business, they're gonna like you. But you got to go there and you gotta study your job. You got to study your job. You got to know what make things work and what make things not to work. And because of it, the Lord is going to bless you and bless everything around you. It's about how you manage what you got. I don't have the time to tell you about the five talents. But I think you already know the point that Jesus was trying to make. And when you look at verse number four, give me verse four. I must work the works of him that sent me. Everybody got a purpose in life. Everybody got a purpose. You, you, better, do, you better do what God puts you on the earth to do before it's too late. Because when nighttime comes, that's it. You, you, I mean, that's it. You, you, can't, you can't say, Lord, let me get on the second shift. No, you're going to be on the night shift. Y'all remember that song? On the night shift. You found another home. I know you're not alone. On the night, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night coming when no man can work. They're on the night shift now. They can't do no works. They don't get no more rewards. They're on the night shift. Jesus says, our time to work is on the day shift. While it is light, that's when you and I our work that God has placed us on. Give me verse number five. The Bible says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Verse six, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Verse seven, and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way there far and washed and came seeing. Jump back to verse 6. Now, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. Now, I'm about to tell you something. <laughs> now, we can say what we want to say. If we were blind, well, let me tell you where I'm from. Let me tell you where I'm from. I'm from Ville Platte. Listen. If, if somebody in Phil Platt was blind born and they found out that Jesus spit on the ground and he mixed that with some dirt and he passed it in their eyes and then he tell them to go wash. Now here's the folk where I'm from going to say, now Jesus, wait a minute. Now Jesus, now you know, you know Jesus, there's another way you can make this happen. You didn't have to spit in my eye, man. Come on. 
another way. And watch this here. There are some people today who would still be blind if they knew Jesus was going to spit on the ground and mix it in dirt and smooth it on their eyes. Y'all have to say amen. Some of y'all would be saying the same thing. Now, Jesus, wait a minute. Now, you, now look, man, you ain't got to spit. Now, I need, now come on. Now, you, 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 Jesus, you can do this. You ain't got to spit. All you got to do is word. Now, why do you want to spit on the ground and put that in my eyes? Nah, no, 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 no. And they would still be blind today. You know why? Because we want things our way. We want to do things our way. If it was up to us to be successful in life, to get to where you're trying to get in life, watch this here. What we would do is we would tell Jesus, Lord, I want you to straight my path from A to B, from A to C. Now, here's what I want you to do, Lord. I want you, I want you, I want you to smooth it out. Come over here, Brasho. Get, get right, right, right. Just, just, just take the phone on out there. Do something. Um, but the thing about it is, is that God don't give you what you want. Sometimes what we want to do is we want a smooth blacktop road with no bumps or no potholes. But sometimes in order for God to get you to where he wants you to be, in order for God to get you so you can appreciate, in order to get you where he know you can go with him and from him and not by you, sometimes God got to take you on a detour. You may not like the detour, but you're going to appreciate the detour. Sometimes God got to put you on a service road. you like, Lord, this ain't what I planned. This, this is not the way I planned my life. I stopped by today to tell you, God don't operate based on what you plan. Everything is based upon how God plans for your life. For the Bible says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts, for as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts, said the Lord. God don't think like us. Sometimes God got to take you over some hills. Sometimes God got to cause you to pass through some valleys. Sometimes you got to climb a couple of mountains to get to where God wants you to go. God's way is not your way is not, it's not God's way. And so while you're passing over those hills, while you're passing through those valleys, while you're passing over those mountains, appreciate every step and every bump and allow it to cause you to know this, that God is with me and God is going to get me to where he wants me to be. It might not be on my but God's time. It might, might not be the way I want it to be with the smooth black top, no potholes, no bumps. I just want smooth selling. No, no, no. Sometimes God puts you in the start. But y'all, God is still traveling the start. Last point. I'm going to close out with point number four. Choose your friends wisely. 
Choose your friends wisely. You better choose them wisely. Want to give you something. This is for free. You don't have to give me nothing for it. When the blind man, Jesus said, go to Siloam. The blind man got up and he was blind, y'all. How you going to make it to Siloam? Somebody, some friend, some beggar who had his sight, whomever it was, took that fellow and brought him to that pool. You need to be careful who your road dogs are. Because whomever your road dogs are, they can keep you in the dark or they can walk with you in the light. You see, the friends you got, and I don't have, you know, I'm, I'm from Bill Platt and I was living in Indiana, so we don't, we don't know a whole lot of people outside the church around here. And so I got probably one friend in the whole city, maybe one and a half. And, 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 and if you got a friend, you need to make sure the friend you have carries the same faith you have. You don't need to be walking around town and hanging with anybody who don't have the same kind of faith that you have. Because if they don't have your faith, there's some things you'll never see that God wants you to see. Sometimes your faith is low and their faith is high. Sometimes your faith is weak and their faith is strong and vice versa. But if you got somebody who don't have no faith, then sometimes they'll become a hindrance to your advancement in life. You need somebody who's walking on the same road that you're walking on. You need somebody who has the same kind of faith that you have. You need somebody who's trying to go to the same place that you are trying to go. You know something? Not only you want to choose your friends wisely, but y'all, that man trusted Jesus. And then he trusted Jesus. Somebody said, how you know? I know he trusted Jesus. Because, verse 7, give me verse 7. Let's see if that's it. And said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and what? Came. Nowhere in the text, Jesus says the fourth thing ever tells the man that you're going to receive your sight. <laughs> Boy. Uh. All he did was what Jesus told him. Go back in retrospect. Remember the beginning of the lesson? The statement Jesus says, go wash. I believe the answer was in his statement. I believe the answer was in the statement of the, the blind man. I believe the blind man was on the side of the road. I think the blind man was saying, I'm blind. I'm a beggar. Can you help me, please? I was born blind. I can't see. Can you help me, please? That's how I believe the disciples knew he was born blind. 
because the beggar told them. Now, already Jesus knew he was blind, but Jesus didn't tell them. They said themselves, who sinned with this blind man born, birth, blind? His, his mother, his father, or himself? You see, the blind man, Jesus didn't have to tell him. You're going to receive your sight. He trusted the words of Jesus. His statement was, perhaps I was born blind. I'm a beggar. Can you help me, please? There were some other folk down there. But this fellow, Jesus spits on the ground. This particular fellow, and he touches his eyes. He says, go. Because the answer was in the blind man's statement. And Jesus just completed it. What you asked for, go now and get it. And he went. And he came back seeing. Next part you come, don't go there. The next part you come to is his neighbors. Mm, them neighbors. I'll talk about them tonight. The man's life went to another level of living. He wasn't the same man anymore. He can see now. He can lead his own way now. He can check himself out in the mirror now. He went to another level of living. We're trying to go to another level of ministry. Don't tell nobody. It's going to take more. Ooh, boy, you're quiet. It's going to take more of your time. It's going to take more sacrifice. It's going to take more commitment. It's going to take you bringing your children to Bible study. Ooh, I've got a, I think I got amen in the corner right here, and a little amen right over here in that section right there. It's going to take you coming back to Wednesday night classes. It's going to take you signing uh, to be a teacher and committed to what you sign. It's going to take you giving more of your monies. It's going to take you offering more of your gifts, your abilities, and your talents to be utilized in the service and the kingdom of the Lord. It's going to take us more to get to another level of the second tier in ministry. It's going to take you coming back on Sunday nights. Somebody said, Brother Bills, we ain't coming back on Sunday nights. Watch and see. Somebody said, hey, but you, can, you can talk about Sunday night all you want. We ain't coming back. Watch and see. Y'all don't believe it? What with a preacher? Y'all don't believe it? Come back tonight. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The person who's sitting down now, who's saying, I, I, I'm just not a Sunday night man. Watch and see if the Lord don't touch their hearts. Huh? Do, do we have some people who believe? Huh? Are y'all are Christians? Is this the church? Huh? Do y'all believe that a righteous prayer, the prayers of the righteous avails? Do y'all believe that? Well, if y'all can believe that, you can believe the Lord can touch somebody's heart in here. Change it. Cause them to say, you know what? <laughs> I was one who's saying I ain't going back. 
But I tell you what, I don't know what happened. The Lord must have touched me this afternoon. I, I'm, 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 not, I'm not at ease. I'm, I'm going to tell you all something right now. I'm going to ask the Lord to make your life uneasy. I, you, uh, you think, I'm a, Lord, if they're at home at 6 o'clock, I want you to disturb them. Huh? I want you to disturb them. I want everything to fall around them. You watch and see. The Lord can make it happen. Because we're going to another level. It needs to have another level of faith. Another level of thinking. In closing, there was a fellow who, who was eating in a restaurant. And uh, he was eating in a restaurant like, you know, Brother Young, like we do. And uh, he was just eating, ordering just all kinds of stuff. You know, I want, give, give me this here. I want that. Oh, oh, this looks good. Give me that. I, w- I want this over here, and, and I want that. Uh, give me a cheesecake. Uh, give me lime, key lime pie. Yeah, yeah, I want that. What else y'all got back there? Yeah, pecan, I want that too. Just was just ordering, just everything. Just bring everything. Bring me them wings. Bring me, yeah, bring that. Yeah, that too. Just, just doing all of the ordering and then forgetting that at the end of his meal, he got to pay for it. And the waitress comes to him as she was coming throughout the course of the meal. The waitress says, excuse me, sir. The gentleman was sitting across the room, recognized that he knows you. And because he knows you and had a relationship with you, he paid for your entire meal. You don't have to pay for anything. Sir, it's all paid. You know, while that fellow was eating and ordering all of that food and dessert, he was doing that not realizing that he had to pay for that stuff. The Bible tells us that Jesus died while we were yet sinners. So while humanity was sinning, God sent his son to for us. Not when we got it straight, but while we were in our sin. And check this out. It's all paid for. Everything is paid in full. But watch this. Even though the young man didn't have to pay for his meal, it was good for him to leave the waitress a tip. If you believe the Lord has been serving you well, you're going to leave the Lord a tip. You know why? That's all we can do is tip it. We can't pay for it. It's already paid for. Stop trying to pay for it. You can't. It's paid for. All you can do is tip tip God. Now, I want you to ask yourself something. When you're in a restaurant, how many of y'all tip what you're supposed to tip? Don't, don't raise your hand. Even a dollar and two dollars and 25 cents. Your tip is based upon what? 
Upon what? Upon what? If you have been served well, you tip well. If the Lord has been serving you well, are you tipping him well? Last Sunday, we talked about don't give God your leftovers. Have you been giving him your leftovers? Or you've been giving him the very best that you can give? Because God didn't give you his leftovers. Listen, sometimes you're going to be discouraged. I'm going to be discouraged. Sometimes we're going to be weak. I'm going to be weak. Sometimes we're going to want to down talk and downplay. Sometimes we don't want to come to Bible study. Sometimes we don't want to come to church. But you got to go back to the service of the Lord. If he's been serving you well, he's been waking you up every morning. You go to the doctors, you still got some health. You may not have the health you had 25 years ago, but you're still breathing. You're still moving. You still can feed yourself. You still can change yourself. You still can drive. You still can go places. You still know your first and your last name. You still can tell somebody your address. You still know your cell phone number. I mean, well, some people don't know. Just go to the phone. If the service has been good, don't you cheat God of what God truly deserves. And that's the very best that we can offer him. You know what I was thinking, Brother Wilson? Brother Trey, Brother Gathers, is that we don't close the worship in the a.m. All we need to do is put it on pause for the p.m. The same kind of spirit we have and energies we have in the morning. We need to put that into the energies of the same spirit in the evening. The same kind of lessons I preach in the morning, I need to be able to preach it in the evening. The same kind of spirit we got with the song leaders, we need to have that same spirit in the evening. What we fail to understand is we make differences between the AM worship and the PM worship. There's no difference in the worship because it's the same worship. It doesn't close until the day is over. So here's what we're going to do, Sister Putman. We're going to put it on pause. And then we're going to put it on play. In the PM. And the whole church said, Amen. You're not a child of God. You come by hearing his word. Believe in the same, repenting of your sins, confessing that Jesus is the son of God, being buried in the liquid tomb of water baptism for the remission of your sins. You'll wash away all your sins. If you need baptism today, you'll wash away all of our sins. And if you're a child of God, you stand in need of prayer. He'll forgive you for all of your sins. As together we stand and together we sing the invitation song. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. We'll baptize you today for the remission of your sins. Calling for if you, you believe Jesus died, you believe me. he was buried, 
you believe he rose again, you'll be willing to change your life. We'll baptize you in water. He'll forgive you of all your sins. You'll have a brand new start. You'll become a member of the Lord's church. You're faithful unto death, and heaven will be your home. You stand in need of prayer because of strength. 